0: This podcast contains sensitive content, which some may find disturbing. Information shared here should not be construed as medical advice. If you or someone you love needs help with trauma, chronic pain, or anything else we discuss here, please seek out a medical professional. All resources shared are for entertainment purposes only. All content represents the opinions of Kim and Anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for.
1: This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show.
0: Hello and welcome. This is Not Ideal, but we're going with it. The podcast. I'm Kim. I'm the mom. <laughs> and I'm Anna. <laughs> I'm the daughter. I don't know why I always laugh during my intro. You might want to practice that more. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: I have a good piece of news to share that I was about to Ooh. share during our pregame, but I decided to hold it for a little tidbit here in really? this episode. So... I sent my husband to get Thai food for us last night (laughs) because I was really sick. And he went to our favorite Thai restaurant. It's called Chili and Lime. I cannot give props to this restaurant enough. It is run by an American. Her name is Alana. And she gave my husband free Tom Yum soup to give to me, which I'm not really sure what that is, but it was delectable. Really? I think it was like my sodium intake for the year. Yeah, but it was fantastic. And because I was so sick, I actually wasn't even able to eat a whole lot of it. And so now I get to have it for lunch today. And I am thrilled to bits, chuffed as. Plus, she gave my (laughs) husband a fried egg on top of his pad thai, also for free. Her and I are already good friends, and I'm just so thrilled. And I'm so proud of you, spot. sweetie. You're
0: making friends in your new place. <laughs> well, the fact that we were both American kind of made us obligatory friends. Way uh, to go. I have some news, too. Oh, what's your news? I had zoodles today for the first oh, time. Oh, wow. No way. Yes. And I think they make a good replacement for pasta. I I truly do. You can almost not tell the difference except for it smells like squash and is a little bit watery. But other than that...
1: Okay, so I am for sure calling bull caca on that. You can definitely tell <laughs> <feel> the difference. <laughs> pasta is a gift from the heavens, and zoodles are a gift from vegans. So there's a big difference, uh, I think. Uh, and I wow. think that zoodles, you know, I have them very frequently. I love them with a little bit of uh, minced cauliflower and some minced mushroom. You kind of saute it all together. kind of makes your own <laughs> little spag bowl. But, well,
0: when what? I ordered today, you would have laughed because when I ordered today, I ordered my thing with zoodles. I get the truffle mac zoodles and oh. I got it with asparagus. And the guy said, you know, that's not asparagus. Oh, my God. Zoodles, word. right? <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Yeah, I mm-hmm. do know that the asparagus is on top of the zoodles, which are made out of zucchini, thus the Z. <laughs> oh, my.
1: I just want to interject really quickly and explain the fact that it sounds like there's an old man in the background <laughs> snoring so loudly. But in reality, that's just Dozer, my uh, yes. my house guest for the next week and a half. I've already had We're him for a week and care. a half.
0: You're taking care of as someone's dog to make friends with someone who needed you help. You can hear him be so loud. Darza. Tell tell them the Australian pronunciation of his name, which the American pronunciation is Dozer, like bulldozer, and the Australian pronunciation is Darza. Which, when the guy dies, came over, dies. he came
1: over. He's such a friendly guy. He works at the naval base with Aaron. And he goes, well, here he is, the beast. And I'm like, oh, wow. He came over with, like, eight kilograms of raw meat for food that I just had to stick really? in my fridge. He's a bulldog pit bull cross. So he's enormous and very strong. Wow. I actually can't walk him on my own. I have to bring Aaron because he has a lot of dog aggression. So if another dog walks by, he tries to go after yeah. him. Because he was he's a rescue
0: dog. Yes. Because you can't be walking some dog that's going to shoot out into the wild blue yonder with your back. So Okay. All right. But I'm so thankful that you have a dog because of that one time that we both had a panic attack when you thought someone was in your house and it was just your husband.
1: It was just my husband. (laughs) He came (laughs) home an hour early. Oh my word. I'm so much like my own dad. Hold on. Can we actually talk about this for a second? So this is an ongoing struggle in both of our marriages. (laughs) Me for my husband and- for my mom, because Mm -hmm. my dad and I have a very similar introversion that makes it so that when we are in a quiet space in our own home, our subconscious decides that it's not just a quiet spot in our own home. The whole home is silent because we're the only people there, even if actually we're not. And so then if our spouse comes around the corner, we have a heart attack because we're so at peace in our little quiet spot. And so mom, (laughs) you experienced that, right? You've had to start stomping down the stairs in the last few years of your marriage.
0: I I clap. I I go like, here I come. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron has started to stomp. Even if he's knowing I'm in the house, even if he knows exactly where I am in the house, if I round the corner, there's a shock factor. And recently he actually shocked me and he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, look at that.
1: <laughs> well, it's a li- I will say it's a little bit different when he just comes home early because right. our front door, our garage door and our front door are very quiet. Like I'm used to a very noisy right. garage door, like it'll wake you up right. from your nap. And also, the front door is like
0: an earthquake.
1: But right. with our front door here in my new house, it's very quiet. And so I heard like some rustling, and I thought, "What is that yes. over there?"
0: And I was and I was on uh, Sky. FaceTime Messenger with you. Oh yeah. And your eyes got as big as saucers, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, someone's in the house!" And someone's I was like, "Oh my gosh, what do I do?" <laughs> Which I've told you what to do before. It's, oh my know, word. But anyway, you just remember. dial the country code and then the emergency I, what number. What is the country code? Anyway, and then you had to text me the country code. And now I do have it saved in my photos. But oh yeah, what in any it? event, it totally scared me half to death. I walked and around the corner and screamed. Like I full oh on yelled. Gosh, you did. And I had you in my full oh. sight. I had you in my, I was just looking at you. It was terrifying. I'm was. still scared.
1: <laughs> Well, plus my husband is kind of a big guy, but he was also—he's six—he's six six five. But then he was also wearing what he calls his tarmac jacket, which Hmm. heaven knows what that means. But it's this big old windbreaker, winter coat thing, and so he was double the size that he normally is. And I thought that there was a murderer in my house. And oddly, guys, can I just tell you, my first reaction was, "Oh my word!" And then my second reaction was, "Okay." yeah it's my time you know what this life yes. is so hard okay yes, if this is how I, if this is how i go then fine
0: and part of this is due to my influence in giving you the book the gift of fear is it <laughs> yeah that is very true If for those of you who don't know there's a book called the gift of fear that focuses on the purpose
1: of intuition or what most people call their gut feeling mm-hmm. and it's brilliant it it basically says, if you have a gut feeling that something's not right, that means something's not right, and you're probably basically about to basically like, live on edge. Yeah,
0: I'm not, I'm not basically sure. all your anxiety is worthwhile. Yeah. I'm not sure it's very helpful. All
1: those calming remedies, throw those in the trash.
0: You need to be anxious constantly. Exactly. Trust your scared gut. It's that kind of book. Which, which is not always effective, but it has some scary stories in it too, and so I think that sort of has impacted both of yeah, us. Yeah, which but terrified me. In any event, I had zoodles and I have another piece of news which Oh please you... please share. Oh my word. I'm so excited. You you already know, but I want to tell our listeners. Oh, can you hear so... that?
1: Seriously, can you hear that snoring? No. I'm shook by no, this can dog. I, tell
0: you, I can still hear the birds in the background that sound like children on squeaky, rusty swing sets.
1: And I will reiterate yet again that I would not be living here if there were that many children. <laughs>
0: But there are that many birds apparently. They are like squeakers. Anyway, I can't hear any birds, but you know whatever. Sometimes I wonder if you are legitimately no, psychotic no. and <laughs> no, you're not. Your microphone picks it up. But anyway, so for our listeners, I on the day of my accident, which was January 7, I was driving to work and later that day I was going to be attending my very first class which was a gift from my husband of stand-up comedy lessons in downtown Philadelphia. But as you may know, I got into a head-on-car accident that day, and so I did not show up to my class later that night. And I was offered another chance to take the class, and I took it, and I started, and I just completed my second class of stand-up comedy lessons in downtown Philadelphia. And it has been – there's almost no words. It's been unbelievably – amazingly outside my comfort zone. And sort of like that dream where you don't prepare for the speech and then have to give the speech anyway for like 30 minutes. But it has been a growing experience. I'm building resilience to rejection of myself. (laughs) I love it. I'm so proud of you. And the one positive Really helpful thing that I keep kind of revisiting is that my instructor, who is friends with really big time comedians and he's also trained really good comedians on at least two of my 14 jokes he laughed hard and that was oh a yay oh move. mom that's such I great know. news i know i feel happy so i anyway, am so proud of you two more also, classes and then graduation and we also get as a part of graduation we get a videographer who who prepares for us a tape that we can then submit and become famous so that's exciting. oh my gosh I'm on my way i know i'm on my way to letterman what do you know <gasps> Just kidding. First, I want to go on Ellen. You're Alan. not kidding. I want to go on Ellen oh, so yeah. that she can reunite us like she did that other mom and daughter from Australia and oh, America.
1: Yeah. Ellen, come on. You love spending you... money on people with heartbreaking stories. And have we you have sent a lot anything that. to Ellen? I think you did. Yeah, I've sent stuff to Ellen. Are you kidding me? I apply on the reg <laughs> to be on okay. her show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so show. Mainly her just story. for the
0: free plane tickets. Oh, that would be But so also fun. because you and I are meant to be famous. Oh my I mean, word. We are meant to be on Ellen. And listen, I can just see us telling our story of unique trials. And then the surprise, because she loves to surprise people, is Matthias Schoener. <laughs> <gasps>
1: oh my word.
0: Ellen. Really? Ah,
1: you What's just got me so guilt? excited.
0: I know. He could pop out of that box that she does. I'm biting anyway. my nails okay. now. I haven't done that okay. in years. <laughs> so send how many how many times have you applied you
1: have to send Matthias could not fit in that box matthias is a well, big old true. manly man who works out regularly and likes to really promote the fact that he works out regularly
0: Plus his manager would probably insist on a saunter in as opposed to a pop out of a box entry oh
1: he's not a sa- in real life he's not a sauntering guy in real life that's he's a turtle. he's a goofball <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's true he's a bouncer he's bouncing <laughs> All right. So anyway, getting back to our story, we were still, we were just out of intensive care unit and we were in the hospital, still not exactly sure what was happening. Prior to being transferred out of intensive care unit, um, we had a really, really sad time. Again, we could not get Anna out of pain. It was just heartbreaking and crushing to see her in pain and this level of pain for such a long time. And I distinctly remember, Anna, I don't know if you remember this. We told you this at one point, but I don't know if you remember it. Um, When your dad came in because he was working, I was not working at all during this time, but he was still trying to work and visit. And he showed up and he said to me, I I had stepped outside your room because you had gotten a little snatch of sleep. And he said to me, I don't know know, if you want to pray right now, but before we pray... I want to tell you how I have felt the Lord leading me just to be praying that he would take her so that she could be out of pain and I said I am I am right there. I totally get it and if he's not going to get her out of pain, we're going to we started praying that he would he would take you to be with him to get you out of pain. So that was a really difficult moment in the journey, but also incredibly seared into our minds and hearts that that wasn't what God had, but we just sort of surrendered that and said, please, Lord, you know, we need relief one way or another. So,
1: yeah. That's very touching. I know you hadn't actually shared that dialogue with me before. I knew that you guys had prayed that, but I had never heard that conversation between you and dad before. That's very touching.
0: And then shortly after that, they said, we're going to move away from the bowel obstruction theory and we're moving into the fluid theory. And so we want to get her in to be drained. So
1: yeah, I can take over here if you'd like. They wheeled me away and I just want to interject here quickly. If you have a phobia of needles, which I know oddly a lot of people do, stop do. listening to this
0: podcast right now. Okay, I gotta, I gotta unplug here. I'll, le- I'll leave you to yourself. <laughs> just, a I'll stay with you. My favorite
1: kind of, my favorite kind of self is just self time. It's just listening to myself talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think oh, I got that from you. you. Know,
0: I wanted to go with you, and they wouldn't let me. Really? Because it was sanitary. Yes, they were very concerned. Because the surgery was so complex and still relatively fresh, they were very, very concerned about infection. So they tried to limit, you know, anybody being around any kind of open wound. In fact, that was why they delayed draining um, was partly because they did not want to open anything near all of this metal in your mm. spine. So anyway, I couldn't go yeah. and neither could dad. We just waited. And I remember when they wheeled you out, hope for me was at an all-time low. I was very discouraged. And uh, someone from our church had come to visit us. And I think I thoroughly depressed them (laughs) because I was definitely (laughs) at the end of my rope and did not try to hide it. And so I was at my lowest of low when they wheeled you out to get that fluid drain, because again, we'd tried so many different things and nothing had worked. So.
1: Wow. That must've been so hard for you. Now, this is just player two, my part of the story. Obviously your part was way harder.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> Your part was way harder because you were actually in all the pain. That, that I know. That was extreme sarcasm.
1: <laughs> oh, it was. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was hard for you, though. I don't always pick up on that. <laughs> That's Aaron says that as well, my husband. He always says, he, he always, like one time I said, oh my word, can you tell that story again? And he actually told the whole story well, over again. You are so bad.
0: You need to and I, be sarcastic. And then I felt so bad. And then people. afterwards...
1: I know. I felt bad then afterwards because she actually took like another five minutes sharing the story over you again. You should
0: feel bad. Shame. He's great.
1: Well, shame me. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to our childhood friend who that <laughs> phrase comes from. He meant to say shame on me, but instead he just said shame me.
0: <laughs> I forget what was happening for that. I, I, He's I know allergic that wanna...
1: to apples and he ate an apple without washing it with soap and water. Oh, and he came over right. to his mom and his face was all rashy. And he said, Mom, I ate an apple. And she said, Did you wash it with you soap and water? water? And he said, Shame me. Instead of no. even just saying no, he just said, Shame me. Shame me. That's so funny. Anyway. He's so cute. Anyway, so we, they were wheeling me away to get my lungs drained. And so phobia of needles, people, scoot your boot right on out of this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they brought me down. They had to do a CAT scan. And then they had to do this procedure uh, of the draining guided by ultrasound. And I sit down and this woman comes in. It's important to note that I was at like the thinnest, almost the thinnest I've ever been at in my life. Uh, But definitely the thinnest throughout this whole surgical process, I think by this point, since it had Mm -hmm. been about two and a half weeks or so since the surgery, I think I was about like 25, 30 pounds lower than my average weight. At least. I was drastically below a healthy weight because I naturally sit at like the underside of a healthy weight. And so after losing that much, I was what my mom likes to call Crispy Anna, who (laughs) nobody, I'll just say this, (laughs) nobody is Crispy Anna's biggest fan In fact, well, I want to share this story and I've already shared some endearing things about my husband in this, in this episode so far, but after my surgery, a few weeks after I had kind of slowly started to put back a little bit of my cushion on. And I said to him on a scale of one to 10 of attractiveness, what would you rate me at? And he paused for a minute and I kind of looked at him thinking that he was just, I don't know, like swallowing or something. And he looks back at me and he goes, do you want me to be honest? And I said, Oh my word. And I said, wow. yes, I want you to be honest. And he goes, like a nine? And I said, ah, oh. oh, because of course it was a joke. And I only wanted him to say like 10 out of 10 or like, or of course, a billion out of 10. Because 14. let's be real.
0: Exactly.
1: 14? I, I say a billion and you follow up with 14? <laughs> Anything over 10 <laughs> is positive. Okay, I'm just going to let that fly. Okay, uh, and on. he goes, like a nine. And I go, oh my word, well, what could I improve upon? And he goes, well you could put on a little bit of weight. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, because I was expecting him to be like, I don't know, say something that I need to actually change about my body in a way that would take like actual
0: work. Or or your personality. Or my
1: personality. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was going to say like maybe get a tan or something like that because he is super tan. Or like dad would say,
0: pick up more, (laughs) maintain, do more maintain. Oh, like pick up trash more. No, just like pick up your trash more. Yeah. Well, there he
1: doesn't he doesn't generate any trash he's the cleanest guy ever no i'm saying okay. my trash oh my gosh <laughs> i know and you said pick up my trash and the whole reason that you would be <laughs> differentiating is that if he were to be making trash as well but he doesn't make any trash so there's no need for the specification
0: okay i'm not following you but as always am i right guys <laughs> He would like me to pick up after myself more. There's absolutely nothing he could do to be a better man. Do you know this man literally shops for me? He he buys my clothes and tells me what outfits to wear. He is an amazing man. He does the laundry. He does the dishes. Truly, he could not be any better. But I... This podcast has taken a turn. (laughs) I need to work... My way up to a seven. But anyway, <laughs> he's totally a 40.
1: My husband called me a nine. He said I needed to gain some weight. I was like, all right, well, then you get a free pass on that one on calling me a nine, because any husband who says you need to gain weight is already a star.
0: That's true. That's very yeah. kind.
1: Anyway, so I was crispy. I went down there. The woman, the uh, she was a intravenous specialist, I think. I'm not super sure. Mm-hmm. And she said, Two things make me nervous. First of all, you're young. Second of all, you're super skinny. And I'm like, well, right now. <laughs> I am right now. she come back, check in with me in a few months. But she says it's going to be more dangerous because you're so thin because there's not a lot of room for me to, like, maneuver the needles because it just goes straight from skin to your
0: organs. <laughs> the, the risk was to puncture your lung. Is that right? The risk, I think, was that
1: she would puncture it in the wrong spot and oh, accidentally God. let air into the cavity that was currently oh. full of fluid. And when right. you let air into that cavity, it can be a pretty serious complication.
0: Oh Anyways, my. there were a lot of risks. You know, they go over all those risks and you're like, it's fine. Just knock also, me out. Also, as a young person, it's expected that you can clear that fluid, whereas elderly people can't. So they're more used to this procedure for that. But anyway, yeah. I didn't go. know that you could clear pleuretic fluid. Well, not as much as you had. Of course you can clear it. That was the whole point of waiting. They kept thinking you would clear it. Okay. All right. Well, okay. We're already, we haven't even
1: gotten onto our story. So anyway, she comes Oh, my word. (laughs) I ask again, how are we friends? (laughs) So she comes in with a little, okay, be quiet, my word. (laughs) (laughs) This woman comes in. With the local anesthetic. And I say, listen, I need you to give me like two or three times what you would give to a normal patient because my body is really resistant to the anesthetic. It um, metabolizes it a lot quicker. And so it only, you've only got like two or three minutes before
0: that wears off. And she's like, note to self, over talker. (laughs) You think you're funny, don't you? (laughs) You think you're a funny little, little podcast host. Note to self, patient is trying to take over a procedure. Do you have anything else to share? No. <laughs> okay. Well, then, if you don't
1: mind, I will get right on to what I was sharing, go and I've been trying to share for the last ten minutes. Yes. Go ahead. Twenty-three minutes, more like. Anyway, she comes in. I'm like, I need you to give me more of that local anesthetic stuff. She's like, I feel you, boo. So she gives me a few. She gives me a few shots in my left lung. And then she shows me this, this huge needle. She's like, I know the needle is big. It was enormous. She's like, I know this needle is big. So I'm going to need to do, I need to take a scalpel and make an actual incision in order to fit this needle into your lung. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I can handle it. I've been through worse. So she numbs my left lung. Does the little incision? She makes a little cut underneath my shoulder blade, like in that really sensitive spot between your two shoulder blades, a little bit lower down. <laughs> Anyways, and then she sticks the needle in and I can feel it go in, but not, it's not too bad. Like I can, it wasn't totally fully numb. It was about like 85% numbed. I was, you know, that's doable. I've been through so much crap in the last month. That's fine. And then she moves to the right lung. She doesn't do quite as much anesthetic because I think she got a little overconfident on the left lung. So she only does like one shot. She takes the scalpel, and I didn't feel the scapel, which I'm thankful for that. But then she takes this needle and I feel it from the second it touches my skin all the way in. And she jams it up because she has to go kind of quick. She shoves it up and I'm like, oh, and I lunge forward and I like put my hands oh. against the wall because they had me sitting up leaning against this table. And I lurch forward and slam my hands against the wall and I'm like, ah! Oh, I can feel it. I can feel it. And she's like, really oh. quick, we're almost done. And she j- oh. she wrenches it upwards and shoves it down into my, into my whatever oh. that little socket is there. And I feel it pop. And then she's like, we got it. And I'm like, ah, oh, I'm in so oh, much pain. Girl, that hurt baby. me so badly. Anyway. And so then she attaches these bags and she drains like a liter and a half and then all Also this huge vial that she had to fill for pathology. And she's like, okay, I'm not going to drain all of it. I'm just going to drain enough so that you can start to breathe again. And then you're going to have to kind of try to clear the rest of it on your own. So I guess you're right. I guess they did expect me to be able to clear it. Anyway, and it was a horrible experience. But then that really did get rid of most of the pain. So they brought me back up to the room. And I think you probably noticed that too, huh?
0: And I remember when you, wow, when you left, Like I said, it was the lowest of low points. But when you came back, I could see immediately that you were back. Like Anna is back. And I just wanted to jump for joy. You could talk to us. You could finish a sentence. You were out of the intense, intense pain. I was so amazingly thrilled. It was such an incredible feeling. I can still feel that feeling of seeing you coming back even though I know you weren't totally out of pain you still had the normal surgery pain but you were out of that intense intense pain and I was just like hallelujah and I jumped for joy right there in the hospital room yeah. I think at least I feel like I did but anyway I was <laughs> so happy and dad was so happy and you just seemed exhausted but you were yourself like you could talk and you could you could just live and that was such a thrill Then they brought in a specialist because they still wanted to sort of figure out what might have caused the original pain. They were still trying to run around some theories and stuff. And so we saw a lot of different specialists who didn't think they really belonged there in the room. Like, um, I guess just the procedure was to send down everyone to interview us and talk. And one of the people that came down, do you remember this guy, Anna? One of Um, the people that came down definitely, definitely didn't think he needed to be there. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes.net. At this guy, <laughs> we're not going to name his specialization,
1: but he came in here very stern. I mean, like, no bedside manner at all, very much all business. He comes in. He's like, hi, I'm here to check on your pain, whatever, here and there, and see if it has anything to do with my specialization. And he goes, can you sit up? And I'm like, "Uh, okay, so I have to get help to sit up because I'm still super weak, you know, in a lot of pain. This is right after your lungs were drained.
0: Yeah, like True. the early
1: the next day, like less than 12 hours after.
0: Yeah. And I was trying to like explain stuff. And you know, like when you explain things to someone, they're like already annoyed with yeah, you. Yeah, actually, I really do know what that feels like. <laughs> as soon as breath starts to pass over your vocal cords, you can sense that the other person is already wanting to leave the room. Already That's wanting to, I yeah, mm-hmm. get on with the story. And I wonder what that feels like. Yeah. You know, it's hard to imagine. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he definitely emanated that. And so I was already like, oh, well, I'll just retreat over here in the corner. And he just did his thing. And And he says, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And he says, can you sit up for me? And I'm like, yes. I get help to sit up and I sit up and he, I, you know, I had those two scapula incisions on my back. And I had like two bandages over top of them, really thin, but just to keep the stuff that was still kind of leaking out now and then. Gross, I know. He like feels my lower back at first. He's like, does that hurt? And I'm like, you know, yes, because I just got a surgery, but no, no more because you're pressing on it. So I don't think that's the problem. And he's like, okay. And then he takes the tips of his two thumbs, the gall of this man. He takes his two thumbs and he sticks them. He sticks the tips of his little, (laughs) ridiculous little fingers. Right oh. in to the holes in my back, yeah, and he go, yeah, and I yeah, go, yeah. ow, and I yell out, ow, and he goes, okay, so still some sensitivity at the side of incision, and I, I look back I at him and he I go, speaking into like a dictaphone. <laughs> what? No, he wasn't speaking into a dictaphone. Oh my word, then, you drama queen! <laughs> like you was, it was like
0: okay, he still was still some sensitivity. It was like he was talking to no, someone. No, he was speaking was in a soliloquy, but he didn't out. have a dictaphone. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't taking notes anyway, but I was amazed. And he,
1: he goes, so still some side of uh, so, so some sensitivity to the side of incision. And I turn around and I go, oh my word, you meant to do that. You stinker. Just like that. And he goes, he immediately, the nurse that was in the room, who had become my friend, mad props to that nurse. She's phenomenal. Made my time there so much easier. She looked at me and she's got this huge grin on her face and her mouth just drops open and her eyes are like dinner plates. She's looking at the doctor because this doctor was kind of higher up, like he was not one to mess around with. And I yelled, you stinker at him so loudly. He took oh, a little word. step back and he puts his hands up like at his stomach, kind of like to block us from like to block my indignance from assaulting him any further. And he goes, I apologize like that in that say in that exact yeah. inflection. I apologize.
0: Yeah. I had only been in his presence for a very short period of time, and I'm pretty confident no one had ever called him a stinker. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that that is true. I could not believe... I could not even believe you did that. Like even as much as you are bold and forthright and how much it must've hurt for that thumb to go in, I I was shocked. Well, let me tell you something. I I was already like embarrassed of my theories that I had already spouted that he was dismissive of. So I was already like, I was already like retreating in a corner (laughs) of shame. And then you stinker. I was like, oh my word. Well, let me just
1: pose to our audience members. So hypothetically- You've got at least eight years of medical school, probably like 10 if you've got that nice of a new specialization. You've got a lot of different degrees, a lot of years of schooling under your belt. You walk in to a room with a girl who's just had her entire spine reconstructed in the last couple of weeks. And and she's fallen on the floor. And she's also just had almost two liters of liquid drained from her lungs. And there are two very clear holes in her back that have been cut with knives less than 12 hours before you take your nubby, grimy little mitts, your little fingers, and you stick them right there in those holes. Let me pose this question to you. Do you think that would hurt the person? (laughs) Now keep in mind, you've got like a decade of schooling under your belt. Oh my word. Oh, come on. He meant
0: well. And then (sighs) we, do you remember when we would make ourselves laugh? Because that was such a, such a unique experience. And then after he left the room, we would pretend that we were like, because, you know, he wanted to get out of there as quick as possible Mm, because, you know, he didn't want any more theories coming out of our mouths. And so then we would pretend you and I like I would take sticky notes and be like, okay, so I have this other theory about what might (laughs) be happening. And if A connects with B and equals C and this is why she's having (laughs) pain, your thoughts go. (laughs) Oh, my word. Just because he was so annoyed, even with
1: the very first theory that was a legitimate theory.
0: Ridiculous. I don't even think I got my first full theory out. I just think I said, um, and that was it. Yeah, he was very
1: dismissive. Just like I was dismissive of his, oh, my word, his little thumbs. Can't even believe it. All right, so we are at the end of this episode. We finished. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we did. But weren't we always going to? It's not a particularly bizarre accomplishment. We finished the last nine episodes. Yes.
0: And shortly after they drained the lungs, you did have one more flash of pain where you got that rash, but then that went away pretty quickly. We were walking around the hallways. That was so fun. Do you remember that getting coffee?
1: Yeah, that was fun. At
0: the nurse's station just looking out the window and thinking, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. That was so, oh my goodness. Those are some of my best memories ever. And then we finally got discharged and we were back home. Yeah. And I don't know so. if we're
1: going to do an episode about this, but um, we might, I'm not sure. Or we may just keep it to the book. But in those last few days was actually when I experienced, well in that whole hospital stay, but especially in those last few days, was the first, uh, the first time that I really experienced a very close encounter with genuine drug addiction with, uh, with the meds oh. that they were giving me there. Uh, just because it starts, you know, as most people, anyone who struggled with addiction would know, normally it starts as dependence if you are addicted to something that you've been given mm-hmm. in a medical setting. It starts as dependence, and then it very quickly moves to addiction, which is the difference. A lot of people don't even know the difference. Dependence is I need it to not be in pain. I genuinely have a medical need, and it is a need. It's not a desire, so that means I'm dependent. But then addiction is the need is gone, but I still want it, and I'm not willing to not take it, even though I don't have the medical need there anymore. So that, I I had a very close close run in with that. I mean not even really a close run in. I was I would argue that I did get addicted there for a while.
0: I think there was an emotional component there of just really not wanting to feel the pain of the whole experience. Yeah, it was
1: a it was a whole hodgepodge mix of a lot of different feelings and and reasons and trauma. I think we should
0: definitely talk about that and how we navigated that. Great. And stay tuned ah, and We know that we were supposed to have an interview episode this episode, and the problem is my internet doesn't have enough bandwidth to have a third person, and so we're working on that. Get off our backs. Please be patient. (laughs) We hope to have an interview as soon as I can get my internet provider to expand my bandwidth. So that's where we're at with that, and we will update you as soon as we know more. I'm Kim. I'm signing off. Goodbye.
1: Uh, Everybody knows who I am by now. So we'll see you next time if you're lucky
0: enough to join us. All right. We love you guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye.
1: Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim on the new series, Not Ideal, But We're Going With It. Also, check out their new website at www.notideal.net.